Native creates safe, simple, and effective products that people use in the bathroom every day. Native is formulated without aluminum, parabens, and talc. Aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, including breast cancer and Alzheimer's. And although Native is priced at slight premium when compared to conventional deodorants, it is safe and effective. Native has fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know everything that's in their deodorant. The ingredients used are found in nature, like coconut oil and shea butter. Also, it's made in the U.S. and not tested on animals. Native can hang with your workout, busy mom life, or 16-hour day. Native definitely is useful for athletes like myself who always need to freshen up after practices and games. Also, Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, we release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. We also offer an unscented formula and baking soda free formula for those with sensitivities. Classic deodorant scents include coconut and vanilla, which is the most popular scent, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. No risk to try. We offer free returns and exchanges in the United States. Subscribe and save 17%. Save $2 per stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code PULLUP during checkout. Again, for 20% off your purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code PULLUP during checkout. I'm happy and proud of, of what you've accomplished. I love watching guys have success. And, and I kind of like what Jordan's done, too. So, uh, you know, know his dad a little bit. He went to the same college as myself and Steve Mariucci. It's a lot of connections here, guys. This group, in its own way right now, at least has done something no other Spartans have done before them, and that's have a senior night where you beat your rival for a Big Ten championship. So the first time it's happened in my 24 years here and it was a, a great night against a very good Michigan team there's three kinds of players some like it some love it and some live it and I'm actually looking for the guys that live it because I think if if we get those guys and they work they're going to get better you know we've been one of those that have been able to get good players and hopefully make them great players and that's the name of the game Welcome to the Tony Richardson episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 49. Currently in Los Angeles recording in what seems to be a beautiful office overlooking Beverly Hills. Very peaceful. The weather, gorgeous. I could wear my sunshades, AKA sunglasses. We're enjoying a nice day off here in LA where we were able to go to some hot yoga earlier today. We're coming off a win against the Clippers in dramatic fashion. We ended up coming back and you know, winning by 20 in the fourth quarter. But more important things have been happening lately. By more important, I mean free agency. The trade deadline has come. Free agency has come. The Browns are making moves. We're making waves, baby. Without further ado, we have to welcome Jordan Schultz to the Pull-Up Pod to talk about my Browns. Holy moly. We are doing things that no one thought was possible. Can you believe this team? Honestly. Are you kidding me, see? Honestly, I've been smiling for, th- for two days. We've been, we've been texting a lot because I knew you were really excited about this. And, <sighs> it's a dream come true. Uh, I, 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 feel like, I feel like this is one of the great moments of your fandom life, regardless of sports. So what was your reaction to the Odell news when you, uh, when you saw it hit the Twitter waves? <sighs> I had talked to some of my NFL insiders, and they gave me a heads up that something could be happening. Um, a trade was in the works. It was just a matter of if the Giants would accept it or not. And I didn't want to get my hopes up. And the message went through on my phone. 
while I was on the bus heading to the arena, and I just kind of kept it inside for a little bit, you know, to, to kind of make sure that it was going to be on Twitter from a verified account. Once that happened, I began to yell obscenities and uh, just kept saying, ah, we finally made it. We deserve this. We've waited so long for this. And then I, I may have yelled out Super Bowl a few times, 10 wins, playoffs, playoffs. All the things uh, we've wanted to happen for a long time as, as Browns fans, you know, growing up in, in, in Ohio and, and seeing the struggle of Sundays, understanding how many losses we've gone through, how many terrible seasons we've gone through. The tide is turning, man. Dorsey's doing a great job of turning the tide. I'm extremely excited, honestly. Uh, very excited. I'm going to be attending some games again, as always. And the homies, the time has come, man. The Sunday struggle is over. It's official. It's over. OBJ, welcome to Cleveland. What was more rewarding? You're seven for eight, three for three from three, 20-point fourth quarter to beat the Clips, or the Odell Beckham trade? Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that to me. <laughs> Obviously, my, my actual career is, is what's most important because it allows me to have this platform. It allows me to provide for my family. It's my job. My fandom started at a young age for the Browns. However, it doesn't, doesn't interfere with my job, my day-to-day -day activities and how I take care of my family. So the excitement was great. I'm excited about it, but uh, I still have to be able to perform, and I've been doing that. So... I will perform at a high level and continue to enjoy my Browns as we prepare for what should be a historic season. A couple things. Um, I posted a poll on Twitter last night, which team has improved the most offensively thus far in free agency. And 75%, um, CJ, said the Browns. Uh, everybody else was was pretty low. You got over 2,400 votes. I, I should probably retweet it to get some more votes. But that just shows you how good the Browns have been. They, they actually made a handful of really good moves. And I, I, I don't know, man. I look at that team. They should be the favorite to win that division. And they could easily win 10 games, 11 games with that offense, with Baker. So I'm very excited for you. And it's about time that the Browns got some love. It's been a long time. So congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words, man. Vegas odds has us at 14 to 1 to win the AFC, uh, behind the Chiefs and the Patriots, obviously. Uh, we are favored to win the AFC North. And um, as you said before, seven wins last year with the additions uh, on the offense and defense of side of the ball. I don't see why we can't win 10, 10 wins, uh, 10 games this upcoming season. Really looking forward to it, man. It should be a great, great season for all Browns fans. Um, I would imagine we'll have more games on TV, so I won't have to live stream or go to the Browns bar in Portland to watch. However, for the sake of why not, I will be at the Browns bar watching a lot of games this year with my jersey on because hmm. we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot of reasons to go outside proudly with our Browns jerseys. That's true. That's true. I know you wanted, um, I know you wanted Earl Thomas badly, but um, – for what it's worth, they, they were never really in the market. I, I tweeted this earlier uh, for him. They, they, they love Randall. Um, and, you know, I, I know that you wanted him badly. I did. But there are – that defense is going to be stacked. I mean, it, you know, think about that front with, with Vernon, Garrett. I mean, that's, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, we're going to be a serious problem. We got Richardson on the inside. 
Olivier, as you said before, we have arguably the best defensive end in the in the NFL on the other side. So I'm really just looking forward to, to seeing what type of pressure we can apply. Obviously, we have great cornerbacks. Um, we're in the market for a strong safety right now, uh, but we will be able to you know overcome some of the, some of the issues we have defensively and figure out how to continue to be successful. But Kitchens and the rest of the staff, man, they, they've done a tremendous job, and uh, we'll continue to really, really be creative with how we use Baker, Chubbs. We're really in a good position. Think about the skill positions, dude. Chubb, Baker, Kareem Hunt, Njoku, Juice, Higgins. Callaway. Yeah, Callaway and and Beckham. I mean, and Baker. I mean, it's just just crazy. They are going to be incredibly exciting to watch. (sighs) You've waited a long time for this, man. I have. I'm thankful for this, man, but... All right, free agency's been dope, but in honor of March Madness, we have Coach Izzo as our guest today. Without further ado, let's welcome the great Tom Izzo. Nice to talk to both of you guys. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Appreciate you calling in. CJ, you remember coming here I, a while ago? I do, man. I was going to ask you about that, man. I was going to ask you if you remembered. Uh, it was uh, right around Christmas break, actually. There you go. Junior year. You guys were good, man, and you had a hell of a, you had a hell of a game. You were good too. So you played at Michigan State, see? We played at Michigan State my junior year at Michigan State, man. I thought we were going to win, and then you guys you, you got to stomping and called a timeout, and y'all went on a run, and it was over. Yeah, we probably had our own officials and cheated you a little bit, but what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Coach, what do you remember about uh, about CJ's game at the Breslin Center? He was good. I said, "What the hell is he doing at Lehigh?" And I ripped my assistants. Why don't we? Why didn't we recruit that guy? <laughs> <laughs> CJ, if Coach Izzo and Sparty Nation would have uh, come calling, what do you think you would have said? If they would have came before Lehigh, uh, I mean, I probably would have went there, honestly, because Raymar is from Canton, so I've known Raymar since I was a kid, and Raymar actually plays with my brother now in Russia, so I've been watching Michigan State games since... Really? Since, I didn't know since that. Since East Snow was there. Yeah, East Snow, yeah. We, uh, we just had uh, probably some other guys that were a lot earlier than you, but Sean Resford, Steve Smith were just back. Of course, Magic was back two weeks ago, so... Yeah, we had a good group, but you had a great career, and it turned out great for you, and I'm happy for you. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that a lot. And I mean, you've done it. You've done a great job. I know we didn't really do the introduction, but I always do an introduction where I read, you know, a lot of the statistics and, and facts on the guests. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna basically do a brief introduction on you, just to, to kind of thank you and show appreciation for the success you've had in in the game of basketball. So well, thanks, man. Let's start with. Congrats on being elected to the, to the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2016. Uh, seven Final Fours, nine Big Ten regular season championships, five Big Ten tournament championships, three times the Big Ten Coach of the Year, AP Coach of the Year in 98. 20 players have gone on to play in the NBA. 11 have gone in the first round. Currently first in the Big Ten right now with a 25-6 and six record. Career record of 599 and 231 and counting. The great Tom Izzo. I appreciate you coming on the pull-up pod as always, man. What? You got quite the accomplishments, honestly. When I did when I did my research, I was I was like, wow, six hundred wins? That's that's crazy. Yeah, and the best part for me is one of those wins was against you because uh, you were a heck of a college player, but you <laughs> turned out to even be a better pro player and uh and I'm uh I'm happy and proud of, of what you've accomplished. I love watching guys have success and and I kind of like what Jordan's done, too. So, uh, you know, know his dad a little bit. He went to the same college as myself and Steve Mariucci, the 
football coach from the 49ers. So a lot of connections here, guys. It's it's a real pleasure to, to have you on. And as CJ said, your, your career is just sensational. So we, we appreciate you coming on. I guess, you know, the first question for me really is with March Madness on the horizon once again, we take it for granted, I think, as fans, just how successful the program has been. But for you to go through this every year and to consistently be battling for national championships and Final Fours, you know, number one seeds, the whole whole gamut, how hard is it, that process and that grind every year to get up for all these games and consistently get that kind of effort and extract that kind of emotion from your players? Well, it's it's difficult. This year we've had a lot of injuries and we've kind of ham and egged it through. But, uh, you know, I, I really got a pretty good culture here now. And so sometimes the culture wins just as much as some of the players. You know, it, they've kind of we've, – we've had two key injuries where guys have been out uh, one for over half the season, and he's done, and one that uh, we will get back this weekend, Nick Warder, big guy. So um, we've had a lot of guys fill in. It's been a, a fun team because i got really good guys. And uh, as CJ knows, you know, when you're on a team, uh, if you got good guys and you got a common goal, then it's easy to have some fun with it. But uh, we played a lot of big games this year. We played against a lot of good teams, and, found a way to win more than we've lost and that's kind of the name of the game you talked about the culture of michigan state i mean historically you guys are known as being tough obviously you got the likes of east snow you got draymond green you got steve smith you got a lot of players who have gone through there most recently being miles bridges and some of those types of guys who are hard-nosed players uh usually great, great defenders you know able to play uh, a team system what type of players do you target during the recruiting process obviously you're able to get a lot of five star four star guys but is there some type of formula you guys have in place i know at lehigh we had a uh, commitment continuum that we always looked at you know to kind of determining what type of teammate the person was what type of student he would be you know how how he would be willing to kind of sacrifice certain things you know for the greater good of the team what type of formula do you guys have at michigan state that allows you to as you said before be able to ham and cheese it out even when you're going through injuries even when things aren't going your way well i think what, what we've tried to do is uh you know we've kind of been the blue collar school we're not you know, we're not getting the players that Duke and Kentucky are, but at the same time, you know, we're getting some guys and, you know, we've had a couple, Jaron Jackson recently and, uh, of course, Miles, Gary Harris, but, you know, we've had some guys like Denzel Valentine and, and, uh, um, Draymond who are four year guys, you know, just got better each year. I mean, I'm always looking for guys that are tough enough to, to uh and love the game you know and in fact I, I go beyond love the game i think there's three kinds of players some like it some love it and some live it and i'm actually looking for the guys that live it because i think if if we get those guys and they work um they're going to get better you know we play against good enough people i think we do a pretty good job here we've got great facilities and and uh and that's what i'm really looking for the guys that want to keep getting better you know it's uh it's in, in college now, you're either getting really talented or you're trying to get old. Like I think uh, Villanova is a good example. For a couple of years, uh, Jay kept talking about, you know, we got to stay old because experience does matter unless you got incredible talent. And, uh, you know, most schools can't get the same amount of talent that the two I, I talked about did. But uh, we've been one of those that have been able to get good players and hopefully make them great players and that's the name of the game coach you had a incredible win over michigan the other night um and i believe it's the first time that you've had a 
a senior night game with a rival for the opportunity at home to win a Big Ten title. What what did that mean to you? Like, if just out of everything you've always you've been able to accomplish, this is something new for you. Well, it was new, and and one of the reasons I think is. Um you know, the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry, it's great when you have a rivalry and two in-state schools, you know. I mean, we're not Duke and Carolina yet, but we're, you know, early in my career, we were getting killed every year. And uh, then in the middle, we uh, we won every game for a long time. And, and so really, a rivalry is not a rivalry until two teams are good. And this is the first year in a while that both teams have been in the top 10 all year long. And uh, we went down there and found a way to win. And uh, Michigan's got a very good team. And and then, sure enough, you know, we got lucky. Purdue got beat by Minnesota and gave us a chance to uh, play for a Big Ten championship against Michigan. And the place was electric, man. It was live. It was fun. And uh, and it was, I was trying to say, and CJ, I'm sure you went through this. You know, you kind of hope each player leaves your, your place with some kind of footprint that he leaves behind. And um, some do it with Final Four, some with a national championship. You know, there's different ways, but this group in its own way right now at least has done something no other uh, Spartans have done before them, and that's have a senior night where you beat your rival for a Big Ten championship. So, you know, you you try to plan anything you can for motivation. So I guess I dug deep down into the bag and came up with that, but it is true. It's the first time it's happened in my 24 years here, and and uh, it was a, a great night against a very good Michigan team. Yeah, I think I think these guys are definitely leaving a, a blueprint. I've been able to watch um, a footprint. I've been able to watch some of your games this season. Cassius Winston is one of the guys who kind of leads the team. He's the point guard, and he kind of has an old school game. He's got yeah. a great pace. You know, he's able to play the pick and roll. He can he can score in one on one situations. How has his game evolved from you know when he first got on campus to now as a junior in Michigan State? And, and obviously, as the tournament approaches, him being a junior now, that type of experience allows you guys to potentially have a chance to to go further based on you know the recipe of, of March Madness I think experience uh, mixed with great coaching and and superior athletes usually leads to success and if you can have two of those three you have a chance to to really advance in the tournament oh I couldn't agree more and uh you know I mean talent is if you got talent and experience now you really got something but if you notice the Kentuckys and Dukes have you know they're still winning but they haven't maybe done quite as well in the tournament because they're playing with a lot of freshmen and uh you know, Cassius has been a guy that played a decent amount as a freshman, but started his whole sophomore year, and he's he's gotten stronger. You know, he's only six six one. He's he's not an electric athlete. You you hit the nail on the head when you talk about old school game. Um, he's just got a knack, you know, a herky jerky knack to him. Can really shoot it, but he's got a very good basketball IQ, and he's made players around him better. Now we lost our starting two guard, who was our best shooter. We lost him at Christmas, and and yet Cash has still been able to average, uh, you know, almost eight assists a game and score almost uh, 19 points a game, and so he's accomplished some things here and uh, made himself Big Ten. Uh, player of the year and is probably going to get some consideration but you wouldn't look at him like you would some guys that he's just this explosive athlete or a big guard for you know his position um he just kind of does it the old school way you know I keep pushing him to get a little better defensively but he has made some progress starting to change his body a little bit and who knows you know if he keeps progressing uh it definitely gives us a chance because he's a 90% free throw shooter. 
you know, he's a good three point shooter, but he makes other players better. And I think, uh, that's the key. And especially you get into the tournament, uh, do you have a go-to guy and do you have a guy that can make other people better? And I think we've got that, you know, we just got to stay healthy long enough, which has been an issue for us this year. Coach, how, how much joy do you get in when you see your, your kids go on to professional success? Cause we had Draymond on recently and it was really clear and evident that he holds you in the highest standard and that you guys have a wonderful relationship, you know, like just take me through what it means to you and, and how, how you keep in touch with your players once they leave the Michigan state program. You know, um, Jordan, I think that's something G, uh, CJ would love. You know, we have, we have a reunion every year. It's not just for the championship teams and having magic's parents still living here. He comes back a lot. And the Gregory Kelsers from the older days. And, and I've really tried to make sure that my players get back a lot. And, uh, you know, this past weekend, like I said, we've had everybody from the Steve Smith era back, and it's um, it's fun. But I think you got to spend time with guys. You know, if if I've always said I'm not the best coach, but I'll spend more time with my players than I think anybody. And and I think it's getting harder uh, the Twitter era and all the different things now. Um, you really got to work on getting a player to trust you because they don't communicate as well as they used to. And, and the only way I can do that is to spend time with them. So we spend a lot of time. And when you do that, there is nothing greater. You know, I came from a little small town, Mariucci and I, when we were in high school, a town of 7,000. And, and I always say to my players, the chance of Tom Izzo getting to win a national championship or getting in the hall of fame or coaching at Michigan state or the chance for Steve Mariucci to, you know, coach the San Francisco 49ers, Detroit Lions were a million to one. And I said, uh, they're about the same for you getting to the NBA or worse. But I got a chance to live my dream. And now my goal is to help others live theirs. And uh, that's the approach I take. And, um, you know, sometimes it's with tough, lo- tough love. Sometimes it's with hugs and kisses. But uh, I've had a pretty good relationship. I spend time. I I still go out to see Gary Harris or Denzel or I come out to see Draymond. You know, when my season's over, I I try to stay involved because it's important to me. I think that's really dope that you guys have a reunion every year, and that's something that I think I'm going to try to implement you know, at Lehigh to kind of build that camaraderie. And it's really cool. just kind of keeps the players connected, and there's so many legends that have gone to Michigan State and so many people that have impacted the community and the next level that I think it can – you know, kind of draw some inspiration to the players and kind of bring everything together. So I think that's really cool that you do that. And that is a great point that you you brought up, the social media era. Uh, we don't communicate as well. It's obvious, you know, even in the NBA, you know, we just had hot yoga this morning as a team and everybody, you know, on the bus had headphones on and a lot of complaints about Instagram being shut down. Like Instagram wasn't working. So guys were asking, yeah. you know, do you have AT&T or Verizon? Like, what do you have? Is it the service? And I was like, guys, Instagram's not working. They're making some changes or something like that. So it's not working. And that's the only way we were able to kind of communicate. So dealing with those types of things now, do you ever have to like tell your players, you know, at a team meal or, or something of that sort to kind of put your phones away? Because I know a lot of teams, you know, have, have implemented no phones at the lunch table type rules. Well, you'd love it. At our place, we have a, in our meeting room, we have a built-in box, one for each cell phone. We have 16 boxes, and, and they got to put them in there. If I have the players over to my house for recruiting dinners or just, you know, sometimes I'll have them over to watch an NBA game or even an NFL game, and uh, 
we have a little basket my wife puts out and everybody puts their phones in and it's amazing you know I did one thing a couple of years ago we took our team down to watch our football team play in Indianapolis about a three and a half hour drive and I told the guys uh no phones on the way down and everybody was complaining and arguing and you know how it goes and and my assistant that was with me within within five minutes of being traveling, all of a sudden you could hear everybody back there laughing and telling jokes. And and I said, man, you see, this is the way it used to be when we played, Mike. And, uh, you know, I, I think you, you'd agree with that. You know, I mean, uh, it is what it is. But uh, I think it does make it difficult, you know. And so I just try my hardest to make sure that, uh, that the guys that I uh, – you know, that I have here, understand why I feel that way. You know, distractions are killer. I don't worry what my guys tweet, CJ and Jordan. I worry about what they read, what they tweet. I can semi control, you know, if you say something stupid, I can get on them a little bit, but what they read and how damaging it is to them, it's probably damaging to you at your age, but think about being 17, 18, 19 again, and not being as worldly um, and people can be brutal, as you know. I mean, it's worse in the NBA, but at least you're a little more mature to handle it. I mean, sometimes I don't get on it because I don't want them ripping me and me reading it. I'll even feel bad. So I, I took the other route. I just said, hell with it. I don't do it. But um, I do talk to them a lot about the social media. I try to take things off of TV or shows like yours if I hear something or, you know, when guys kind of give it up in the playoffs and that. I use those things because uh, I think they're real. With that in mind of the modern-day college athlete with social media and the fact that so many kids are leaving after one year of school, as we just saw, for instance, with with Jaron last year, um, how has it changed the way, A, that you approach recruiting, and then maybe more importantly, once you get your kids on campus, how has it changed your approach with them? You know what? I, I You know, that's a good question because everybody says, well, you don't want a lot of one and duns, do you? And I said, sure as hell do, man. Better players make me a better coach, you know. But but there is something to what you're saying. I mean, even in the NBA, as as our as our sport is getting crazier now, we're we're almost to the point of free agency with the transfers and everything. I got NBA buddies of mine and saying, hey, you should come to the league. At least we have contracts here. And it is getting harder, you know. Either kids are leaving because of transferring, or they're leaving because of one and done. And you spend a lot of time on them, but. Like I just had two guys, you know, my uh, three, four in the last couple of years. Like um, Gary Harris could have left after his freshman year; he stayed another year. Same with Miles Bridges. Jaron Jackson went. You know, he's the fourth pick. I'm, I had to kick him out of here. I mean, it, it just—it's too much of a chance. But I—I uh, I think it's difficult, you know. And I, I, I'm actually interested in hearing what CJ to have to say about it. I—I I, I think it's. I hear everybody say, well, the kids should have a choice, but, man, I'm not sure I would have made all good choices at 18, and for every LeBron, there's probably 10 kids that dissolve because we have this misnomer that getting to the NBA is just kind of a, you know, it's just a stepping stone. This is what you're supposed to do, and uh, sometimes I laugh. I say, you know how good those guys are? Do you know that there's better guys in the G League than, uh, you know, at 99% of the colleges, and I, I just think they get this distorted picture, either from agents or, or AU guys or people, you know, and they don't respect how good you have to be to do with CJ, what you're doing, or some other guys, and I think some kids get distorted and get down on it. It's almost like if you stay in college two years, there's something wrong with you, you know, and 
and thank God for a Draymond or, or, or uh, you know, Valentine or different guys. CJ, were you three or four years? I did four years. I uh, the year we played was my junior yeah. year. We beat Duke that year and uh, junior year, yeah. And you know, at least when you get out, then I mean, I, I I do respect that players should be able to leave because of different things, but I think it's making it hard on the players too. I think they almost feel like they got to get out, and some of them might be ready physically, but they're not ready emotionally or mentally, and. Uh, and then there's a lot of crash and burns out there. And, you know, we've had one or two here, but uh, it's a difficult situation. I don't know what's right. I just know that uh, my job is to get the best players I can get and get guys that want to be here. Like Jaron Jackson was a great get for me because he wanted to be here. He wasn't one foot in. He, uh, I thought he was going to stay another year. Um, not because I wanted him to, just because he enjoyed college, you know, and uh, and yet he he went. But everything's been great. His dad just came back for our last game against Michigan. His mom has been back here. Uh, you know, JJ, we stay in touch with. I mean, um, God, I I'm blessed to have good guys. And what I want more than one and done, two and done, three and done, or none and done is I just want some good guys that while they're here, they want to be all in. Yeah, I, th- I think that's important. And you pointed out a great a great fact. I think there's like this perception that the longer you stay in college, the older you are, uh, the more of a finished product you are, and just kind of like the evaluation process from an NBA point of view. The scouts, they kind of salivate at the mouth when they have a younger prospect. But a lot of times you got guys like me who stayed three, four years in college. I'm coming out at 21. You got a guy who went to school for two years and he's 21 as well because of this reclassing and prep school and just the the new era of, of, of an athlete. But I think that, you know, if more players are continuing to have success, you know, having gone to school for three or four years, then players will be more likely to kind of, you know, not force the action. A lot of times, they're ready from a skill skill set point of view, but mentally aren't ready to be a professional, not, aren't ready to balance money, aren't ready to make those financial decisions that you have to make. A lot of times just because you're, you're not prepared for that. Four years of school didn't prepare me for balancing a checkbook. You know, there's no classes on that. There's no classes on how to choose your financial advisor. So I think those are some certain things that you just have to, you know, learn on the fly. And I think the more experience you have and the more mature you are as a as a young man, the easier the decision is for you. Well, especially this day and age where, you know, between the social media and all the different things that are out there socially in our world, one mistake now, and, you know, you can be in big trouble. So um, all I hope is that guys make a mature decision, you know. And as I said, a couple guys that I've had that left after one year or two years or three years, um, you know, it was good. I mean, they included me. We we talked about it. Um, there's this perception out there that college coaches are trying to keep their guys. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, if this year I won a national championship or had a player that was one and done in the recruiting world, the one and done guy would be more valuable than the national championship because that's what everybody wants to do. And, and yet uh, I, I do think... Uh, Going through a process helps you, but every kid's different too. You know, some are more mature physically and mentally, but um, I don't know. It's hard. I just worry about the studies 10 years from now and how many crashed and burned and how many actually made it and uh, and how many had fun. I mean, I don't know about you, CJ, or you, Jordan, but 
Mariucci's coming to the Big Ten tournament, and you know what we'll do? He'll come down in the film room, and we'll sit there, and inevitably, we'll be talking about our days at Northern Michigan and living in a trailer and all the things we did uh, back in college. I mean, there's something about your college years that are special, you know, and uh, I've had a lot of fame, made a lot of money, and I still, I think I'd go back to college tomorrow if I could, you know. And maybe that's the Animal House guy in me that's sick. But I think I really did uh, have some great memories from college. And some of those guys are missing out and will never get those. And uh, I just I just have mixed feelings on it. What about um, the idea that you have this balance as a coach and you want your players to to be happy individuals coach, but you also want them to be successful. What's your message as a coach to your young guys for balancing, you know, their personal lives with basketball while also trying to be a guiding light for them? Because obviously I know in your life, it's the same. We see Jenna have talked about this as well, where it can be hard to, to achieve balance between professional and personal life. So yeah. like, how do you, what's your message to your guys? Well, at 17, 18, and 19, I tell them that there's three things you do in college. You know, you have a social life, you have an academic life, and you have an athletic life. So pick two of them because you're probably not going to be great at three, unfortunately or fortunately. You have to be eligible. So the social life's got to take a little back seat because the work you have to do to be great, you know, I, 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 is what I really struggle with, guys. You know, you can't do what you did in high school. I mean, to win a Big Ten championship, we're one of 14 teams standing. When we won the national championship, we were one of 350 teams standing. To get drafted this day and age in the first round, we have a guaranteed contract. There's probably only 25, 24 Americans that do it. You've got to be one of 24, you know, and maybe even one of 30-some if you look at a couple guys that make in the second round from America, you know. And I said, you know what those odds are? And uh and then I've been really lucky, and I think part of the reason I have all those reunions, um, when you can bring a Kelser and Magic back and sit a couple guys down, when you can bring a Steve Smith from his era back and, you know, Mateen Cleese from his era and then Draymond and then, you know, Gary Harrison and Valentine and now more recently, Miles just came back for a game a couple weeks ago and Jaron. And um, when you have those guys back, um, you know, I remember it was Gary Harris. He, he told, uh, I think it was Bridges, you know, Hey, don't worry about getting here, you know, make sure you're ready to get here. Cause it's, you know, CJ, they have this impression that it's all fun and you make a lot of money. And I say, man, you are working brother. You are working. I mean, these little 30 games, you're working 82, you're working over a hundred games a year. If you're in the playoffs in the preseason. And I mean, it's a job, you know, and I don't think, kids see it now i love my job it's a grind you love your job it's a grind i think these guys sometimes think the money or the fame supersedes the grind and as we know it doesn't so that's what i try to prepare them for yeah i think the players find out once they get to the nba that a lot of things come with this lifestyle <laughs> and you know most most notably anxiety a lot of a lot of players have been talking about depression and people yeah. think that since you have money since you since you're able to do the thing you love every day that that you don't have bad days. And I think that, you know, we're emotional creatures. You know, we're emotional human beings to where everything in your life could be going great, but you could just wake up one day on the wrong side of the bed and be unhappy. Yeah. And then the amount of stress, I can imagine as a head coach, the amount of stress you go through, you know, 
all these young gentlemen that you're trying to groom into men, trying to get them to kind of fall in line, the recruiting process, the pressures of winning. It's the same thing once you get to the NBA as a player because you're, you're making a lot of money and a lot of everyone else's problems become your problems. So I guess my question for you is, you know, having, you know, 20 players that have gone on to go to the NBA, 11 first rounders, you have a lot of young athletes who are basically, you know, the household name and, and kind of taking care of their families. What type of advice do you give, you know, to your athletes who are kind of dealing with certain things? I know talking to Draymond, he wasn't playing early on in his career. I know I didn't play early on in my career. So you get frustrated. You start to doubt yourself. You start to wonder if this game is for you. So how do you kind of, you know, talk your players off the ledge and, and kind of keep them, you know, consistently wanting to work and improve and, you know, allowing them to get through some of those stresses and pressures of basketball in life? Well, that's a great, that's a great question because like, uh, like with a Gary Harris, you know, he left, he was really young. He had just turned 18. Um, he was the youngest, I think, sophomore. Jaron's the youngest freshman in the draft. And I, I look at guys like that and, um, I just try to tell them there's a process, you know, and the guys that skip the process usually don't learn. You know, I started out as a division two guy and then I was a grad assistant here and I kind of worked my way up, you know, and, and I think, you know, you going through four years and, you know, you, you've gone through the struggles, you know, Draymond, I just talked to him today, you know, there's always some struggles just because you win, you win a couple championships, as you know, there's still struggles. And, and if you've never had a deal with them, then how do you do it at the highest level? And so, you know, I, I try to just, anytime something's on TV about one of our guys or one of any of your guys, maybe it'll be you, maybe it'll be somebody else. And I usually have our video guys, you know, get that little sound bite and, Let's use that in one of the meetings, you know, and I just, I try to educate them the best I can because the people they're talking to are always telling them how good they are and how this they are and how that they are. And, and, you know, and I'll have a guy say, well, you know, I'm maybe, maybe next year I'll come out early, you know, and I'll say, but do you know that? somebody's got to want you first or do you know that you got to be good enough you know you're not any draft boards you're not this and that and I guess I brutally try to tell them the truth but I also tell them you know I've had a pretty good blueprint here that if you follow and you're good enough this will give you a chance and you know try to get them to lift better try to get them to eat better try to get them to spend more time on the game try to go from loving the game to living the game, you know, where you're, you're putting your time in. And I'll tell you one thing, guys, and, and I've had some opportunities to go to the NBA and I, sometimes I, I still think about it because it's coaching the greatest players. And that is exciting to me. But the one thing I do like about college is I think I can change some guys' lives here because, uh, I think I've been brutally honest with people and, uh, pretty transparent, but if you spend a lot of time with a guy, um, he knows you have his best interest in mind. And uh, I don't. I think that's the one thing I've had going for me here and the help of all those great players that come back often. I mean, we just upgraded our facility, CJ, and we've, uh, in fact, Draymond donated the money for a brand new weight room. It's out of this world. And at the end of it, I said, I want to put an NBA locker room. He says, what do you mean? I says, I want to have a locker room for all the players that come back in the summer, or if they ever want to come back and work on. So we've got a locker room with 14 lockers. It's got TVs. It's got a, uh, a steam room. And I asked them what they wanted, you know, steam room or sauna or this or that. And, and it's just for my former players. And so if magic comes back for a week and he wants to work out, it's got a place to go when Gary and Zell and Bryn Forbes come back and, 
they want to work out for a couple weeks in the summer they got a place to go it's good for me it's good for them but that's the way I try to to make sure those former players are informing these guys of the truth not what they hear on the street more show on in a minute but first support for pull up with CJ McCollum comes from wix.com with wix you can create your very own professional website choose the template you love and customize it by adding your own text images and videos with hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their websites. Create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash pull up to get 10% off. Okay, back to the show. Coach, you mentioned the NBA, and, and that was something we were going to explore. Because um, obviously there's been interest in you. Is that what keeps you in East Lansing, aside from your love of the, uni- of the university, just the opportunity to mold young men and, and make an impact on and off the floor in a way that perhaps you could not do at the professional level? You know, I don't know what you can or can't do. You know, I've talked to Magic about it a lot, you know, and uh, he went through a lot of the Pat Riley things and what he went through as a player. And, um, you know, CJ would know more than me, but, you know, maybe I'm just chicken. You know, maybe I'm I'm sitting here and because there's been a couple times I really looked at it hard and, and, uh, you know, everybody says, well, you got to get the right job. I said, well, the right job, you know, there's only four or five of those. So, I mean, you got to make a job, the right job, if you ask me. But, uh, you know, I, 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 a couple times of the seven or eight chances I've had, I really looked at strongly. And I, I, uh, I won't say I had regrets because I've never had any regrets. I love what I'm doing. I love where I'm at. I still, I want to be one of those guys that wins the second one, you know, and, um, but at the same time, uh, I love the NBA too. I, I watch games all night. I got the package. I've seen, I get to see UCJ. I get to see Draymond and Gary because you guys on the West Coast, you know, I get home from work late and turn on my package and watch you guys. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, I enjoy the purity of it. And uh, I, I think I would really enjoy like the playoffs when you, it's a big chess match and it's basketball, 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 you know, in college. I mean, anybody does anything wrong, everything's my fault. You know, if they flunk a class, it's my fault. If somebody does something wrong outside, it's my fault. And it seems like you get less time to spend as a basketball coach recruiting and this and that. And I do miss that. I, I, I think I'm a coach at heart. And uh, so who knows? But uh, I am happy here. I, I enjoy it. I do enjoy There's nothing like being in the green room on draft night and see a guy fulfill his dreams. And that's a pretty powerful message uh, to me. I've never missed a player's graduation. I've had in 24 years, a lot of guys graduate and I've been to every one of them. Those are kind of cool things that are memory making moments uh, for later on in life. I think that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And it seems like you, you approached it the right way. You've kind of evaluated, you know, the, the pros and cons of it. I think <clears throat> as a guy who's in the NBA now, I think that the coaching it's different. Yeah. The NBA, obviously, we travel a lot. There's not as much time around the players, but there are different types of outings to where you're able to bond a little bit. But it's 
it's, I don't think there's anything like college, and that's why we all love it. No matter where we're at in life, no matter how much success we have, we always go back to our college days because there's nothing like being in the dorm room with your homies. There's nothing like recruiting visits. And like you said before, the draft is something that changes everyone's lives and something that you'll remember forever. But I think it's... I think you're handling it the right way. And at some point, if you do want to come to the NBA, I'm sure, you know, that opportunity will still present itself uh, down the road. But looking at college, we've talked about the draft. We've talked about a lot of things, but we haven't discussed player compensation, which is something a lot of, you know, ex-players and people around college basketball seem to have thoughts and opinions about. What are your thoughts on, you know, potentially compensating players? Do you think scholarships are enough? Do you think that, you know, based on the amount of money that some of these endorsement deals are generating for for universities, the amount of sales, like a, a Michigan State football game, an Ohio State football game that holds 100,000 people, yeah. is generating some type of money. Do you think players sh- should be paid at some point? Do you think it's feasible? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, that's, that's a billion-dollar question because um, – <laughs> You know, the, the, the couple things that I've, I've liked in life is, you know, I was a GA for three years here. I didn't make enough money. You know, I, I still do speaking engagements for people that helped feed me back then because I wasn't making anything. And when you have those kind of years, or Mariucci and I, we, we laugh about it, but we had our scholarship. We bought a little trailer. <laughs> we rented a couple rooms. I mean, I was trailer trash back then. And, I, and, and you know what? I learned a lot then. And I, I, I do like where we're heading, meaning... The scholarship is worth, you know, something, and and now we're compensating a little bit so kids aren't going without this and that. I don't know if it's feasible to pay them because with Title IX and everything, you're going to have to pay every athlete. At least that's the way it is right now. If that changes for football and basketball players because of the money that's being made in those sports, uh, you know, maybe that would make it more feasible. But I also wonder at times. Does that one, two, or three years of, of you know, wondering when your next dollar going to come from, does that make you appreciate the things you get to do once you get to the NBA, you know? And you would know that better than me. I mean, I came from, my parents were poor. I didn't have any money, and, uh, you know, dad worked two jobs, all that stuff. And, and now I make a lot of money, and uh, I've tried not to live my life too much differently, you know, other than a nice house and keep my damn wife from using the credit card. But other than that, I, I, you know, I think I've learned some things through my early years to appreciate it. And, but I think kids should also have enough money that they should be able to go on a date. They should be able to do something. I just don't know what that, that line is, you know, they should be able to buy a coat and, and all those things, uh, because the universities are making a lot of money. The problems is, universities are funding a lot of different sports you know here we have 26 sports and most of them lose money right so it's the title nine issue it's all the issues um smarter guys than me got to figure it out but uh i i think some stipend but not one that's so big that you don't appreciate things because the great players are going to get theirs in the end anyway so i guess that's a politician's answer. I don't mean to be that way, but I, I really, I'm not positive what I would be thinking still. No, I appreciate that answer because as a guy who, who played in college and, and struggled, I think you appreciate it that much more when you do make it through. But like you yeah, said before, exactly. going on dates, buying flowers for Valentine's Day, those things are hard to do, you know, based on how things are set up now. But I think there is a yeah. fine balance that we we have to find. I agree. Have you noticed, Coach, players that have 
felt that way that once they attained their ultimate goal that it was worth the sacrifice? Or CJ, for you, have you noticed that because you didn't have these nice glamorous things in college that once you were able to get those, it made it that much sweeter and you appreciated it more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was in college my senior year, uh, I didn't buy books. I took the money and I used it for food. And I just paid more attention in class. And that was my last two years, I made the dean's list because I had to really focus and concentrate in class. So I made like small sacrifices and I slept on a futon, not because I couldn't afford a bed, but because I wanted to really like challenge myself to like, I should only be sleeping a certain amount of hours a day. I need to be in the gym a certain amount of hours in a day. And I always said that I would buy a really expensive bed once I made it to the NBA and I did those things. Well, I think that's a, that's a heck of an answer. And I, I think everybody I mean, that would be like you asking me, do I want to get paid like I could in the NBA in college? Well, sure, I do, you know, but but there is a process to getting everywhere, you know, and I think sometimes this process is sped up so much that that you don't get to appreciate and enjoy, and yet, easy for me to say that now, um, you know, I'm not in some of these kids' shoes coming out, and, uh, and I try to be cognizant of that, too, so... Um, you know, money isn't the end all means all, as I bet you, CJ, you would agree with. I mean, uh, health is still important and happiness is still important and money doesn't always do that. In fact, sometimes the more money I've, I've made, uh, <laughs> the more hassles I have, you know, and, uh, but it's, it's, it's been good. I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to find out in the next couple of years when, if the NBA goes to taking kids right out of high school again, um, is that going to be good for your league? You know, I look at your league right now. There's first round kids in the G League, you know, and I don't know if that's healthy. I mean, uh, it's it's tough to be in the G League. I've watched some G League games. There's good players, but it's a it's a tougher world. I mean, it's pretty nice here right now. You know, you walk in, you get training table meals, you get taken care of medically, you you, you get some stuff, you you fly on on jets. You know, you don't. Uh, you don't bust many places. There's a lot of great things about a lot of colleges. And, uh, you know, you don't even get that in the G League. So I don't know what the right is for everybody. I just know this, that uh, if a kid's in college a year or two, it's going to benefit him, in my humble opinion, because it's going to make him more ready and it's going to make him more uh, – and he's going to have some memories that uh, – he he got not from just the money or the fame, but he he got from doing like the other fifty thousand students that are here, and I think there's some value in that. How much? I don't know. Coach, you mentioned earlier um, that when you're recruiting, that the one and done is more valuable than a national title. In other words, if you had a guy like Jaron, you can then reference that and say, "Hey, we had this guy go, and you know he was a fourth pick in the draft." Right. So. That that really that really stuck out to me because you would think a national championship that's the be all and end all that is the the pinnacle or the, or the apex of all of college basketball and yet the kids are seeing well can I go one and done right that's that's really fascinating can you elaborate more on that well I, I always tell Kel all the time when I see Kel Perry I say you're ruining you're ruining the world here brother and he laughs but you know. Uh, I mean, it's a great selling point for him, you know, that four or five starters go to the league, you know, and things like that. But but not everybody's one of those four or five guys. <clears throat> and yet we've gotten to the point where, 
that seems to be some of the only interests. And uh, I'll tell you, I've I've uh, I've gone there with guys that when we won the national championship, we had a guy Morris Peterson and Jason Richardson and Zach Randolph, and you know those guys were in those two three year periods, and you know and. Uh, I'm going to tell you now, those guys had a good time too. You know, there were a lot of great things, but the new era, the new Twitter era, as I call it, it's, it's more about what can you do for me instead of what can I do for you? And, and, uh, everybody's worried, I think about the wrong things because, um, I think you can be one and done going a lot of places. You know, I mean, some of it, yeah, the coach can help and the program can help, but, to be honest with you, Jaron Jackson would have went to Northern Michigan. I think he could have been one and done because I think he was a very talented individual with size for his position and this and that. I'm not downplaying what we did. I'm just trying to be as real with it as I can. And yet, uh, I think when kids um, put a premium on their own success instead of on a team winning, they're going to do the same thing when they get the CJs. You know, so then is winning going to be more important or endorsements or other things going to be more important? Maybe at 25 or 30, you can handle that. I'm not sure at 18, you can handle that. Yeah, that's that's spot on. And in today's society, social media is a gift and it's a curse. Yep. The gift part is that it allows you to, you to see everything. You can see players all across the world. And as you said before, in today's day and age, they got scouts in Europe. They got scouts going to Division II schools. There's a kid at Shaw who's a Division II guy and is in the uh, ESPN Top 100 who's declaring for the draft. Now, if you have talent, they're going to find you. Uh, obviously, you know, playing on the big stage, playing on TV, those things help. But, you know, if you're going to develop as a player, if you're going to do the right things, if you're going to win big games or, or show that you can, you know, be big in the moment, you have a chance to go to the league anywhere. So I think kids just have to make the right decisions based on what's best for them and what, what situation is going to bring the best out of them. You know, you know what I worry about, CJ, is if you have a good base, whether it be family, your high school coach, some mentor, you know, that's good. But some of these kids don't have a good support base and they're making decisions um, that are for the wrong reasons, you know, and that's what I worry about. Um, like, I, I keep using Jaron or Miles, you know, and I mean, Jaron's dad played in the league for 15, 13 years and his mom is a, you know, works for the WNBA and so, you know, it was just, it was fun to sit there and talk to them about should he or shouldn't he, the pluses and minuses and I had no worries that that he was going to be, you know, uh, making a good decision. And, and then you got to make your decision a good decision too, you know, by how hard you work and how well you play and all that. But at least if you got a good support group around you, I think your chances escalate. And sometimes if you don't, boy, that's where the crash and burn comes. You've had the third longest um, tenured coaching staff coach in the entire country. So clearly you've been able to achieve that. Can you just give me a sense of like how important is it for you to have your coaching staff in place, to have your family as your backbone? How much do you lean on on them? Well, it's good. You know, I, I, my first couple of years when we won the national championship, you know, I had, I had coaches leaving all the time because they were getting better jobs, which I like too. Uh, I've got one guy here that's been with me since since I was in college. I mean, he was my 
teammate, uh, guy named Mike Garland, that from Detroit that I, you know, is just kind of my glue guy. He's been with me the whole time, and my two other guys are, you know, probably going to get head jobs. But I think I, I've made this place good enough where they're not just going to take a job to become a head coach. They're going to take the right job, and continuity. I think is critical in anything. And yet if it gets too stale, that's not good, you know, but continuity is really good. You know, when I got here, Jericho was here 20 years. He coached magic. I've been here 24. There's almost 50 years of the two of us. So it, it brings a lot of continuity. You know, I, uh, when I came here in basketball, Nick Saban came here in football and we were assistants at the same time. And then we became head coaches the same year. I look at what he's done at Alabama and, He's had a lot of different coaches getting jobs, you know, but he's built a culture that's good enough to absorb that. And and so I think it's important that you have some continuity, but I think sometimes new ideas are good too. So um, I try to keep a steady balance of that. I send my guys out every year to a couple NBA teams, you know, um, so I can make sure I see what's going on in the NBA Flip Saunders was a real good friend of mine, CJ, and before he died, and he used to come and spend time here, and I learned so much. Um, that's what I love about the NBA. You know, I, I love all the plays. I love the different things they do, the different ways to cover ball screens and this and that. And so each year I send my four guys out and try to hit two NBA teams in, in September and bring back some new things. So you can do it either by change or you can do it by spending a little money and getting them where, where they learn a little bit too. Uh, that's smart. That's smart to, to send guys out and to try to, you know, find ways to improve. That's kind of how I approach my summers. I like working out with, with different trainers and different people to kind of challenge myself and, I also like watching other players so I can steal moves from yep. them, you know, whether that's pick and roll, pocket passes, you know, certain ways to get a shot off. So I think it's that's the yep. sign of greatness when you're trying to figure out ways to improve and, and not afraid of adaptation or, or trying new things. But I don't want to I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you got to prepare for the NCAA tournament and a lot of stuff to do, you know, as a as a head coach of a, an elite institution. But I have to ask you about wine. You got a lot of downtime. I know Draymond's big into wine. I know a lot of NBA players are big into wine. Coaching staff members, you know, haven't seen the NBA and how it works. Do you drink wine? And I think that that's probably a question I can assume is a yes. And if you do, what type of wine do you suggest I indulge in myself? <laughs> well, I, I'm not. I, I got some wine from Pop because he's the he's the wine he's guy, the, the the best one of the bunch from what I've heard. Um, but. Uh, you know, in college, believe it or not, I don't much because, uh, you know, if, if I do something, I mean, you know, the days of going out and and being able to do something, even with your staff in college, have kind of ended. You know, the social media, uh, I've kind of stayed in my basement now. You know, I work a lot of hours, but when I'm free, I try to spend it with my family. So I don't even get to unwind like that as as much as I would probably like to, you know, being where I'm from, Mariucci and I were kind of beer and burger guys, you know, from, from the Hicks and, uh, and, uh, yeah, once in a while, you know, uh, Mariucci, since he's been in California, you know, he's got a little, a little, a little bit more educated on, on the fine wine. So when I go out there to watch a playoff game or something, I usually sit in his wine cellar and, try to find a way to learn a little bit about the wine. You know, in East Lansing, that's not a, that's not as high a priority out here as it is for you guys out there. <laughs> Aren't there some good Merlots growing out there, Coach, in, in, in Michigan? 
There, there really is. There really is. Now that that is true. There, there is a little bit of that. Just that the growing season's a little shorter. <laughs> Coach, I, I think, I think in in your downtime, you need to get out to Oregon and check out the Willamette Valley because CJ has that place wired. You know what? I got to do that. You know, I we've kind of been a Nike school, and I. I try to get out there, you know, once in a while, and I I, I go see them. But I um, I do like Oregon. I went out there with our football team a couple of years ago, and it's beautiful. And uh, did a little jog in there down on the the river, and uh, I enjoyed that. So, CJ, maybe one of these days I'll get out there. It would really be cool. And you guys are in the Midwest. It'd be fun to come to a game when you're playing the Pistons or the Bulls or somebody. And and if I ever get out. West, I'll I'll do that and uh, and I'll I'll track you down for a ticket to a game and and see if we can uh, talk about that old game back uh, many years ago now in East Lansing. How's that? Oh, for sure, man. Let me know. You get out to to Oregon, I'll set you up. I appreciate it, guys, and it's great talking to both of you, CJ. Good luck with you as you keep going here, and uh, Jordan. I appreciate talking to you. Tell your dad I said hello, and. Uh, Let's stay in touch. I will. Thank you so much, Coach. Such a pleasure. Okay, guys. Time to talk about Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 Most Popular. With Robinhood, You can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio. Discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you can never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of Pull Up with CJ McCollum a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at pullup.robinhood.com. Once again, I want to thank Tom Izzo for coming on the Pull Up Pod. Great guest, you know, historic coach legendary coach hall of famer who's done a lot of great things you know for young kids especially kids from canton ohio uh raymar morgan haven't gone through michigan state eric snow haven't gone through michigan state you know back in the day i've been watching them for a long time so it was great to have him on appreciate all the listeners tuning in as always you can catch us on apple Podcasts, radio.com backslash pull up with cj or wherever you get your shows uh, also i'd be remiss if i didn't shout out my browns once again We're coming for everything they said we couldn't have. Hashtag dog pound. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Root, root. And don't forget to pull up. up.